A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday, Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday. We have so much stuff to do today, it's not even funny. We've got, you know, in fact, so much stuff that I don't even know that we can have fun today. We just got to do stuff. Oh, you're really building this up for a yeah, happy let's just, Saturday. <laughs> let's just cut out a couple of segments so we can have more fun. Now, the whole thing will be fun, but we do have a ton of stuff planned. We're going to be in the studio talking with Zach Krieger from Ayers Basement Systems about foundation issues for your home, what to look for if you happen to be shopping for a home, some warning signs, and mm-hmm. if you're you know, living in your home, some things to look for and some solutions to get you on the right track. We're also going to be in the studio with Judy Sisler from Gotcha Covered talking about custom window treatments. Yeah, we haven't really dug into that a ton on the show before, so we thought we'd bring in an expert. Yeah, so that's all coming up and a few other things. But right now, we got a really interesting question from a listener about a refrigerator. They had a refrigerator in their home, mm-hmm. didn't like the color anymore. You know, well, probably... and I've actually seen a lot of this on Instagram lately. You've seen a lot of this on yeah, Instagram? fridge makeovers. And okay. this question came in, and then I start looking at Instagram. There's all these other ones. Maybe they're listening. Is yeah, they could be. <laughs> or it's just this, this idea that's floating around somewhere, and it's catching everybody at the same time. But now I want to do it, because I've got a fridge that's kind of this, I don't know, you called it almond. almond. I guess it was really popular. Oh, yeah. The kids all loved it. The parents were craving it. Almond appliances, and now nobody wants it anymore. No, well, I have a white stove right next to this refrigerator, so it looks really out of place. And I would love to buy a new fridge, but Mm -hmm. that's not going to happen right now. So I could just paint it. I think that's the beauty of paint. Well, and that was the question can I just paint this? Is there a way to bring, you know, make this look white like the rest of everything Mm -hmm. until I have time or the budget to get a new fridge? And the answer, of course, is yes. It is a really simple project, actually. You just need to consider a couple of things, a a few things, let's say. You've got to consider the fact that it's in a kitchen, the refrigerator is, and you're going to have to deal with dirt and grease and all of that buildup. Just handling it and opening it on a regular basis causes this to happen. You've also got to deal with any rust that you may have. And finally, you've got to deal with the fact that this is a tough-to-bond-to surface. Yeah, my fridge is right next to the stove, like I said, so I definitely have a lot of grease to clean up. Um, I would just use Spray 9 that we carry in the store, use it with a Scotch-Brite pad, and you'll wipe it off with water afterwards, but it works great on this kind of project. Right, it's a great paint prep cleaner. Works on a number of situations, so pick up a spray bottle of that, and you can use it all over the place. Great cleaner, and it's great for just regular cleaning as well. Spray 9. That's to degrease it. Get it wiped down clean. Once you've got that done, really, now we got to move on to the fact that we're painting a tough-to-bond-to surface. And because of that, we'd recommend a bonding primer. And rather than just go straight to the bonding primer, which we'd recommend would be sticks, you potentially could go straight to sticks. But since we like to make sure we do everything to the best of our abilities and we get the best results possible, we'd recommend that you do a light scuff sanding before you go to that primer. It's just extra insurance. Technically, you shouldn't have to do this, but it's really good if you do, just because you're guarding against any chance of failure. Right. So just hit it with a 150 to 180 grit sandpaper, a real light dusting over it, and wipe that sanding dust off with clean water. And then when that's dry, go ahead and roll the sticks on. 
But if you have rust, we have to back up a little bit. So go back after you've scuff sanded, but before you've started this bonding primer, you want to remove any of that rust first. You can use a product called Must For Us. It's by Crud Cutter. It works really, really well. It's pretty impressive. You spray it on, leave it for 30 minutes, and then wipe it off. It's going to remove all of the rust buildup, and it's going to be ready to paint once you've cleaned it with water again afterwards. Right. Now, it may take a second application depending on how bad that rust is, but Must For Rust is a great cleaner to have around for all kinds of different things. I've used it on shovels and hose and things like that. Really, really handy. Must for rust. Check that out. Once you've got it wiped down, you know, you sprayed it with must for rust, removed the rust, wiped it down. Now you want to spot prime those areas where the rust was. And we'd recommend just using an aerosol rust inhibitive primer. Yeah, you don't need to invest in another quart or gallon. Just get a spray can. Super simple. Right. And then once that's dry, now it's time for finish paint. Really a lot of options at this point. Uh, We'd recommend Advanced from Benjamin Moore. That's a great option. It flows out and self-levels so well that you're going to get a great smooth look. Almost a sprayed finish. It's one of my favorite products exactly for that reason. It makes you look like a pro. (laughs) Right. The downside is it does take four to six hours to dry to the touch, 16 hours to recoat. So if speed is an issue and moving faster on this is a requirement, you could go to Cabinet Coat from Inselex, which is a Benjamin Moore company. It still flows and self-levels well, but it's a quicker dry. Now, because of that quicker dry, it's probably not going to flow and self-level as well as the Advance, but you still should get a great finish. Right. Now, Optima from Repcolite is yet another option that would work great. Scuff-X from Benjamin Moore would work well. Whatever you choose, apply any of those that we talked about with a micro-plush roller cover. Ask about it in the store, and that'll give you the smoothest finish possible. Yes. All of this can get you to the point where you don't have that almond (laughs) appliance in the midst of all the other white appliances. You can make it look good, and maybe that will get you by for that little bit until you've got the budget for the new appliance. Now, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll be in the studio with Judy Sisler from Gotcha Covered talking about the ins and outs, the ups and downs Ah, of window treatments. Like what you did there. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, we're going to talk about window treatments, and honestly, that's something that I don't think we've ever covered on the show before in all of the episodes, 220-some episodes. You know, by the way, if you started listening to our the, to the show, yeah, you could drive from Maine all the way to California without having to take a break. Well, that's a cute, fun fact. Isn't that fun? I like it. Most people don't make it that far. They drive off the road partway. Okay, yeah. But anyway, let's but talk no, about window, window treatments. coverings because they make such a big impact and they're so overlooked. There's one of those details that we just don't think about. And there's a lot to be learned here. So I'm glad that we brought in an expert. We've got Judy Sisler from Got You Covered. Judy, thanks for being here with us. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Well, let's tell everyone what you do at Got You Covered a little bit. Okay. So Got You Covered, we're a window treatment showroom. We provide custom window coverings to homes and businesses across West Michigan. So whether you're looking for blinds or shades or shutters or even something like draperies or valances or cornices, um, even bedding, and really, we do motorization wow. too. Well, and now that you've run us through that, 
I feel like there's all of these words that I'm yeah. not sure if I've got the right image in my head. So, and when we were in the showroom, you were pointing out, you know, this is what people think are blinds. This is what blinds actually means versus shade. And I'm sure our listeners are going to have a hard time with that too. So why don't you run us through like the nomenclature, I guess, of window coverings. Sure. So things can be confusing, especially when you see something on TV and you want to try and replicate Mm -hmm. that. So people come in and say they want a shade. Well, we go around the showroom and point out what a shade is. It could be a honeycomb cell shade that comes down from the top and they're going, no, no, that's not what I want. I want where I can tilt the slats. Well, that's a blind, and a blind is a horizontal slatted product, um, comes in different size slats. Or people will say, I want a blind, but I want to be able to have the whole window clear. Well, then we kind of direct them to roller shades, because a okay. roller shade can go up and all the way off the window for clear glass, which a lot of people like. Where a blind is going to build up. Yeah, right? blind has... A big, what's called a big stack at the top. So if you think about a blind, it's all these horizontal slats with strings, what's called ladders, in between the slats to hold it together. Well, when you raise that blind up, that stack can be eight inches tall or even 10 inches. And if you're a tall person and you have a blind in your window, and you have it all the way up, Mm -hmm. you have this big stack, well, what are you looking at? You might not be looking at the view. I've never had that problem. (laughs) (laughs) Never. I've always been able to see out the window. If it can see the window, I've always been able to see out. If I can see the window. (laughs) Well, I did have windows in one house that I had to get on a box to look out of, but I think those were, well, that's another story. I don't think those were installed correctly. I hope not. Anyway, Judy, you mentioned when we were visiting your showroom, you mentioned that blinds aren't meant to be pulled oh, up all the way, right? It's it's meant to be just tilted open. Very good memory. Yes. Look at that. Yeah. Very good memory, Haley. Let's wow. write so, that down. That's the first right time. There. Yeah. Very good memory, Dan. You're right. Actually, a blind is meant to be tilted. So you tilt the light for light control, which is great. A lot of people like the idea of tilting light to get it dark or bright in the room. However, blinds are really not meant to go up and down every day. Um, They're designed to just be tilted down in the window, tilted up, open and shut. But oftentimes people, you know, you don't have a choice. Your house comes with blinds, so you Mm -hmm. lift them up. That's fine. But that's why we ask those clarifying questions. So it really pays to stop in and and look at what's available and narrow down exactly what you're looking for. Oh, we love visitors to come in. No appointments are needed. You just stop in. We're open 10 to 5, Monday to Friday. We usually have someone in the showroom to guide you about. And we really want you to try the products out. Move them. We have full-size products. And we like to say, if you have kids or pets or you need something really durable, well, a faux blind is perfect, but it's heavy. Right. If you want something lighter weight, well, we have a wood blind or you have aluminum blinds or we look at totally different products that are, you know, much more minimal like a roller shade or a sheer shade. And then you can experience all the different mechanisms for opening and closing as well. Because there's strings and there's ones that you just lift from the the base of it, right? Yes, they're cordless. What do they call those? Well, Easy Rise is a... a 
industry or a vendor's term, but they're all cordless or many are cordless, but sometimes cordless isn't the right solution. So we talk about what's the environment. Do you have a household member that's a little aggressive, a little type A personality? I'm going to raise my hand. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you have teenagers or you know that your spouse isn't really gentle on window coverings, cordless may not be the best option. And we talk about the reasons why. So we might guide them back to a corded product, but it's still all federal child safety standard approved. Right. Everything we sell has the breakaway cords. There's not going to be a strangulation issue. We're in the studio with Judy Sisler from Gotcha Covered. And Judy, you know, we're kind of getting into it, but let's say, okay, I figure out what I'm looking for. I know what, you know, the nomenclature, I understand I don't want a blind, I want a shade or whatever. What are some of the other considerations that I need to you know, keep in the front of my mind as I'm making this decision. Sometimes we think it's just color, but I think there's more to it than just figuring out what color I need. Yeah, we like to ask the visitors to our showroom or if we go to your home or business, what's your primary need? Is it privacy? Is it solar protection? Are you trying to protect your furnishings or your flooring or your carpet um, from fading? Are you trying to make your home brighter and more personable, mm-hmm. um, softer? Maybe you're tired of just having shades or blinds and you want something softer like a Roman shade. Or you want texture on your windows like many uh, Joanna Gaines homes are showing, sure. you know, the woven wood natural shades. Yeah. So we talk about your needs, privacy, decor, solar protection. Maybe it's insulation. You oh, have right. windows that aren't the most energy efficient, mm-hmm. or you have a big slider door, and the sun is just pouring in from the west, and it's baking your house. Right. Well, it's probably cold in the winter, as well as really hot in the summer, so maybe a cellular honeycomb shade is best. Because that's going to add like an inch of insulation to your windows. Think about that pink foam stuff. Wow. A cell shade is like an inch of that pink foam sheeting. Oh, really? It really can help protect That's amazing. the heat gain. Yeah, it's just, it's. we sell a lot of what are called slide views to Michigan homeowners. Mm-hmm. Because it's... What is that? What's a slide view? A slide view is a cellular shade or honeycomb shade that's vertical. So it slides left to right, very easy to operate. You don't have to bend over or reach up. You just push the little, little lever and it slides back and forth on your slider door. So if you have pets, easy to operate and let yeah. them out. Lovely product, just very efficient in terms of insulating. All right. So, so many different things to think about. In the last little bit that we've got, you know, it really, it makes the case for walking through the showroom again. You know, I mean, there's so many reasons to go and see what's available because you might find out what you thought you wanted isn't what you need. Right, because now I'm thinking I've got a husband that might be rough on my blinds or shades, and I've got a cat that's probably going to tear Cats have no problems, though, right? (laughs) Cats probably treat these things with the utmost respect. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing to worry about, Haley. Yeah, Yeah, okay. Buy something expensive, Mm -hmm. and it'll last for a cat. (laughs) So if a customer does walk through the showroom, I mean, you've kind of given us an idea what that looks like. You know, you've got somebody there who walk us through ask us questions, help us think about the situation and figure out what's best. 
I want to just cut to the core of what really matters to me. And I want to get to, what about smaller budgets? Can well, you work with us? Yes, we have options. And at Got You Covered, we have a You Measure, You Install program. So if you have measured your windows, and we'll even tell you over the phone how to accurately measure your windows, you can come in with your dimensions. You save even more because you're going to do your own install and we'll show you products that fit your budget. And we'll talk about your budget. We will give you a price right on the spot. You tell us the wow. window size, we will tell you what it costs. And then if your budget's a little bigger, we'll give you other options. But the idea is we're going to help you not only pick the right window covering, we'll help you install it by showing you the brackets. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about what would work with your windows, if it can be inside mounted or outside mounted. But we do have budgets or we do have products for many size budgets. Yes, we're a bit more expensive than the big box stores, but you're going to get that customer service, right. hands-on support, and the warranty. Yeah. Because yes. I've definitely been the person that has gone to a big box store for an apartment. You know, they yep. didn't have window coverings in a couple of the rooms. And I just thought, oh, I'll just go there and I'll grab something. But I had to go three different times because I didn't understand how to measure my window. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think even just talking through all the different options out there, my tendency would be to probably just get what I think I needed. But I really would have been better off getting something slightly different or even sometimes dramatically different from what I thought I was going right. to get, you know, once I see all the options. So right. what about the warranty? We've got just a, a little bit here. With so with our company, Got You Covered, when you buy something from us, even the You Measure, You Install, if there's a warranty issue, you give us a call. We always answer the phone. We'll assess the need over the phone. There's no cost within the first year. If there's something beyond the first year, most likely it's still warranted by the manufacturer. There might be a small service fee, but we have replaced shades five years old at no cost to the homeowner. Something wasn't working correctly, mm -hmm. but we'll also just work with you over the phone. Mm -hmm. We'll help you diagnose the situation and then we'll send an installer, but we're here for the long term. We're not yeah. going to hang you out to dry. That's great. So if our listeners do want to get in touch with you, how's the best way to find you? Well, you certainly can go online, gotyoucovered.com slash Grand Rapids, or give us a call, 616-914-2580. Judy Sisler from Got You Covered, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Thank you. It's been fun. All right. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Haley's worst fear. Yeah. Foundation issues. Not clowns, not snakes. <laughs> foundation issues. Pretty practical. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, usually I use the show to solve my problems. True. Right? Yeah. Well, this time we're going to solve one of your problems, or at least address it. Yeah. And to do that, we're on the phone with Zach Krager, the resident expert in sales from Ayers Basement Systems. Zach, thanks for being here. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Now, Haley, you've been looking at new houses. And Zach, I want you to catch all this because <laughs> this is where we're going with the conversation. Haley has been looking at houses. And honestly, her biggest fear 
has been what, Haley? Foundation problems. I'm looking at old houses and they've got cinder block basement walls. And my realtor is always looking at, you know, like the driveway side and seeing if it's bowed in a little bit. And every time I'm just so worried about missing one of those signs that something could be wrong with the foundation because, I mean... That feels like the biggest deal. (laughs) And that's what we wanted to get to here. Is it the biggest deal? Are there things that we can do? You know, with the market the way it is, people are snatching up houses without... Inspections. Right. Inspections. I was even going to say too much thought because it's just, (laughs) hey, it's something I can afford. I'm going to bid on it. And if I bid on it, that's what it feels like. And if I get it, here we go. And then we'll deal with it. So, Zach, what are we looking at? I mean, maybe walk us through an overview of some of these foundation problems and what the fixes might look like. Yeah, I think some of the things that you're going to want to look for are, you know, is the wall deteriorated? You know, do you see any spalling, which basically just means, you know, concrete flaking off, whether it's block wall, poured wall? Um, are there any foundation cracks? You know, these things can show up like tiny, small hairline cracks. Um even on exterior or interior walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see what we call stair-stepping in a, in a cinder block wall, which basically is literally just like it sounds. If you see a crack that's kind of stepping down the blocks in a corner, even in the middle of the wall, you can tell that there's something going on. There's some type of deflection or pressure on the outside of the wall that might be pushing that in. So the things to look for uh, aesthetically might be drywall cracks. Uh, you might look for sticking doors or windows upstairs. Those are common issues uh, that you might look for. Okay. Um, but really down in the basement, what you see is what you get. You're, you're typically, anytime you've got wall movement or foundation settlement, the walls are going to tell you a story about what's going on. If they're not nice and straight and you see any cracking, bowing, uh, anything out of, sh- out, of, uh, out of order, that's typically a sign that something's going on and we'd like to take a look at it. So when I said that my realtor looks at the driveway side of the basement for any bowing or cracking, why is she looking on that side of the house? She doesn't check the other or she doesn't check it as... She's more concerned with the driveway Okay. Side. What's up with the driveway side? Yeah, so that's kind of an interesting one. So think about every time that you drive your car up and down that driveway, right? You're creating almost like micro vibrations. And so okay. what can happen over time is that soil that's uh, within that driveway underneath it and then the soil that's pushing up against the foundation wall can really either wash out, which means, you know, rain has gotten underneath it. It starts to stir it up and then it literally washes out. Uh, it could dry out. I know for a period of time here over the last few months, I know not recently, but, you know, we had a period of drought where that soil is contracting in a way where it's just shrinking right up. And so when you get dry out, there's huge voids that can start to uh, to occur. And so you're driving that car across the driveway. You're causing these micro vibrations. There could be dry out, which causes voids and, and those transfer into the home causing uh, wall failure. Okay, so there's a good reason then that we yeah. look at the driveway side. <laughs> and the windows, where I'm assuming the windows and the doors, you said to check those things. I would not have thought to check windows no. for a foundation, you know, to tip up, tip me off to a foundation problem. But I'm assuming that the house is settled even just slightly in one direction or another, and that kind of throws them off. That's what we're looking at, right? Yeah, and so, I mean, we use the hierarchy of confidence, and basically all that means is that we're starting at the ground level looking for obvious signs of wall failure, and we work our way up to the first floor of the home because, as you can imagine, as something settles or moves, 
everything sitting on top of that also settles or moves. And so mm-hmm. if you get a, a sticking door or a window that's, you know, jammed shut and won't open, typically something is off center that's causing that. And so uh, we just work our way back down to the foundation and, and start to figure out, okay, what's causing that issue uh, to happen upstairs. Hmm. I just kept cutting the door down on, on <laughs> angles until it would close smoothly again. Wondered why it kept changing and I have oh to keep cutting. Gosh. All right. So those are some of the issues. What are some of the fixes that we might look at? I mean, are there lightweight fixes that aren't going to break my budget or are these really, really big involved fixes? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And so one of the things that we've kind of coined at Airs Basement Systems um, uh, is the phrase, don't do it yourself when it comes <laughs> to foundation repair. And there's good reason for that. Every home um, at some point in time is going to kind of settle and move into position after that home is built. And so going back to the solutions, right, the earlier that you catch something, the more inexpensive it's going to be to repair. And I want to, I just want to echo that comment by saying that if you know something's going on, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't go back upstairs and just put it to bed because once a, a wall has started to fail, it's never going to repair itself. It's never yeah. going to go back into position. That wall is in failure and it's going to continue to get worse over time. And so the earlier we can catch these, uh, these symptoms of the true problem, whether that's wall failure and bowing walls or it's foundation settlement uh, that needs to be lifted and stabilized, we just want to catch that early on. So there are several different ways that we can fix those. Uh, I'll just highlight a few. If you, if you have some wall deflection, we have a really cool product called Carbon Armor. Uh, which is a literally it's a carbon fiber strapping system. Uh, if we catch it early enough and there's less than two inches of deflection, we can put these carbon fiber straps on that have a really low profile, very cost effective, um, and allows you to build right over the top. Wow. As that wall deflection uh, gets worse over time, then we have to move into heavier duty uh, repairs such as uh, steel. We have a pretty cool anchor system called the Geolock wall anchors. Uh, it's patented by our support works uh, parent dealer. And so we may have to use geolock wall anchors if the repair is beyond two inches. Again, cost effective, but more heavy duty. And that means that the severity of the problem has gotten worse. Um, moving into, you know, foundation settlement. Foundation settlement is kind of a beast of its own. Uh, there's only one solution for that, and that's a helical peering system or a push peer system. And basically what that what that means is we're going to we're going to drive steel deep below unstable soil. So we need to get, you know, some cases 20, 30, 40 feet down into what we call load bearing strata. And so all that means is that we want competent soils that are going to be able to hold the weight of your home. And we're going to transfer that weight instead of on the soil, we're going to rely on the peer system that's sitting on the soil itself. So uh, those are some, some things that we do. We want to come out and obviously perform a full inspection to make sure that we understand exactly what the homeowners, uh, you know, why is, why they want us out there and what they're ultimately looking to achieve. And then we can pair that with products and solutions that work best for them and their budget. All right. We're on the phone with Zach Krager from Ayers Basement Systems. And Zach, I think we've got a fair number of listeners that are probably, their hearts have sped up a little bit. There's a little (laughs) bit of perspiration forming, a little anxiety. What, you know, we mentioned at the very beginning, some of the things to look for, you know, maybe run us through hopefully things to bring us back down and calm us down. Are we freaking out about every crack that we see in our home right now? What should we be looking at 
this Saturday. Yeah, and I think that you know, let's bring the heartbeat, the rapid heartbeat, back down to uh, to to a calm seventy-two beats per minute. Um, <laughs> you don't you don't have to you don't have to freak out about every foundation crack, right? The reason why we find um, ourselves as the professional that have been doing this for over forty years is because we take a lot of pride in showing you exactly what your problem is and exactly how we'll solve it. So we might come out and take a look at a foundation, uh, a crack, and something that you're really fearful of, and we might tell you, hey, look, this is a surface crack at this time. You know, this is nothing that needs to be repaired, but we do want you to monitor it. Hmm. And if it does get worse over time, we're going to show you exactly how to fix it. So it's one of those things where, again, I'm going to go back to our uh, little coin phrase of don't do it yourself foundation repair. Um, get an expert in the house, get somebody's opinion who's been doing this full time for a number of years, um, especially in our in our uh, network. We have a combined experience of over 600 years in foundation repair. We're really proud of that. And, you know, one of our values is integrity. So we're never going to sell a customer something they don't need. We're just going to take a consultative and education type uh, approach and show you exactly what's going on, why it's happening and how we could help you solve that problem. We just take a lot of pride in that. So you talk about not having a do-it-yourself approach to this. Some of us buy houses, have houses, look at houses that have already had a bit of a do-it-yourself approach to some foundation repair. Now, it might have been mild. It might have been really superficial cracks. But I'm Mm -hmm. sure you've seen that where you've got the patching compound or whatever all over the foundation. Everything looks a little, you know, patchy. Do I need to get somebody out to look at something that's already been fixed by somebody else? How do I assess those problems? I would. I mean, I've, I guess in my own time as a homeowner, what I've found is that I, I like to rely on the professional. I'm not, I'm not saying that there aren't things out there that you can do yourself because there are, there's plenty of home repairs where people can get on YouTube, find out the appropriate repair uh, and move on and get that done. Um, in my experience though, foundation uh, repair, wall repair, wall support and stabilization are just mm-hmm. something that you really want to rely on an expert uh, to do. So when you run into those cases, in my experience, what I've seen is, uh, I love what you said, we're getting a little patchy, right? Yeah. Um, you might have seen uh, you know, hydraulic cement that somebody has just literally smoothed over a, a foundation crack. And the, the best thing about those is, because those foundations are going to continue to move and they have not had a permanent solution, typically they're going to recrack again and they're going to expose the, the original foundation crack that's still there. So if you've seen something that's been patched and it opens back up again, that's a very clear sign that that, that was not a permanent solution and it definitely should be looked at by a professional. So what if it stays closed? What if it's something that I've, I've lived there for six years, it hasn't changed since I moved in? Do I figure I'm probably okay with that one? Yeah, it's hard for me to, to answer that, that question in a very concise and clear way because I'm not looking at the sure. problem. Um, I would say that, you know, home by home and customer by customer, I always recommend that they monitor the situation. Um, and if it does, uh, it's never going to improve. But if it doesn't get worse, you're, you're probably okay. The things that I look for in those instances, again, are going upstairs and, you know, is the floor sagging toward the direction of mm-hmm. that repair? You know, is the window sticking? Is the door not closing appropriately? Do you have cabinets? Uh, you know, can you drop a marble on the kitchen floor and watch it run to that corner? I mean, these are all things right. that you can do as a homeowner yeah. just to say, hey, you know, do I feel good about the situation? And if the answer is no, get a professional in there that can give you some solid advice on what to do. I'm going to start bringing marbles to houses. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
So what does that look like, getting you out to the house? Is that something that you'll come out and assess it for free? Yep, absolutely. So all you have to do uh, is you can go on our website at goairs.com, or you can give us a call at 866-379-1669. We'll be happy to come out, give you a free estimate. Basically, we'll do a whole home diagnosis. So we're going to take a look at the inside of your home. We're going to take a look at the outside of your home. And really, we're going to work with you uh, to make sure that, you know, we're finding exactly what's going on and causing that that problem, whether it's peace of mind, maintaining property value, um, you know, those types of things, maintaining your quality of life. Uh, so we're going to work with the customer uh, to come up with a game plan. And, and again, you know, we're going to leave you with a quote the day that we see you to show you exactly how we can fix it and exactly what it'll cost. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here with us today, Zach. I really appreciate the info and putting some of my fears to rest, maybe. Thanks, Haley. Thanks, Dan. Hope to talk to you guys again soon. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going back in time to the first segment. We're going to talk about refrigerators again, right? Yeah, we want to round it out a little bit. Right. We've got some really, really creative projects that you might want to tackle if you are thinking about painting your fridge. That's all just ahead. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, at the beginning of the show, the opening segment, the, the segment everybody tunes in for and waits all week for, what is going to come out of their mouths right off the bat? Well, this week, it was all about painting a refrigerator. And now we're all experts on painting fridges, I think. Right. We went through everything (laughs) you need to know. If you missed it, you can find it online at repcolite.com. Just check out episode 221, and you can listen to your heart's content. But in the midst of going through all of that, we kind of stumbled on a whole range of other creative ways. a world of fridge makeovers. Right. The whole idea of a fridge makeover is funny to me. But then I did something at home that really made me rethink it. And I've got like a little, what do we, I call it a food room. It's like a pantry in the basement. It's not a, it's a, just a little junky room with some shelves in it and the freezer. It's very functional. Okay. That's all it's meant to do. There's a lot of onion peels on the floor because the children never pick that up. We eat a ton of onions and all the shells go on the floor, the skins. But anyway, when that's cleaned, even then, it's very functional, very plain. Sure. Well, I was cleaning out another room in the basement to make room for my weight set because I started, you know, at the gym and now I gotta have a little really gym at to home. Slip that in there, didn't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a home gym yeah, now. I lift things unnecessarily now <laughs> just because I can. Anyway, made this room clean and in, in so doing I hauled a, an old dresser out of that room and into this room where I used to have a refrigerator sitting next to the freezer. Okay? Okay. Long story short. I walked in the other day to get an onion probably for pizza that we were making. And I realized with that dresser there, that whole room went from feeling just functional to actually feels like, like a homey. little bit yeah <laughs> a little bit of a decorated space and i was blown away at the change and i was thinking about that when you talked about painting refrigerators more colors or more options than just white yeah i thought of especially in the case of like a garage fridge what a difference that could well, make right. adding a little touch like that just have to be a functional space and even outside of the fridge a garage doesn't just have to be functional or a catch-all. It can be something that you've really put in effort to design it. And 
a lot of us, it's the first place that we walk into even when we pull in the driveway or park our car in the garage. We're entering that side door. And why not make that more of your entryway? Well, and that's very much the reason why that should be uh, a little bit of time and thought should be put into that. A lot of us just have a very plain garage, and yet that sets the tone for us entering the home. And if Mm -hmm. we design that a little better, we're going to feel better walking into the space. Sounds touchy-feely. There's a lot of truth to it. Well, now let's take it and apply it to a refrigerator or a freezer or, you know, like we talked about. Right. A small project doesn't have to be just white that you're painting these things. No, I've seen some really cool examples um, on Pinterest and Instagram. People have taken really retro fridge colors, you know, like the mint green, which I love. Or I've seen pink ones, which maybe isn't like historically accurate, but it looks cool Mm -hmm. when it's all said and done. It adds this like vintage flair to an otherwise... I don't know, just white box. Right. So you've got that option. We walked you through how to paint it, what to do for the prep and all of that, and what products to use. Now we're talking about some colors you could really step outside the box and get some interesting colors and bring that into your space. That's cool. But there are all kinds of other things people are doing. Mm -hmm. They're actually putting multiple colors on the fridge. Yeah, murals. uh, I've seen some really cool floral designs or patterns. But also in that same vein, people are using the peel and stick wallpaper as a way to do that. So you can buy this peel and stick wallpaper. We have options at our stores. Rifle Paper Company has some really cool options now. And yeah, it just adds a whole nother option or layer to what's available for that now. Well, I really like that one because it's not permanent. No. You know, basically just get the, the refrigerator cleaned, use the degreaser that we talked about, spray nine, get it clean, let it dry, and you can apply this peel and stick paper. And when you're sick of it, you can remove it. Exactly. And it's not expensive as far as papers go. The peel and stick actually prices out a little better than normal paper. And you could go through multiple patterns and styles, you know, change things out over the year as it goes. And there's no real big commitment to it. Don't use contact paper. That's different. Yeah. That is a bigger commitment because that's not going to come off very easily. The peel no. and stick papers will. It's a really good option for this. And then the other thing I want to touch on really quick is chalkboard paint that I've seen on fridges. I think it's such a cool functional thing to do in a lot of ways, like put your meal plan up for the week or your grocery list or just let the kids draw on it while you're in the kitchen cooking something. Mm -hmm. But I think it's just another option that's out there for design on a fridge. It looks cool. But how do you think it functionally plays out? That's what I wonder about. Yes. You know, first off with the chalk, I would never use chalk on those. You, you've got chalk markers that you can get that aren't going to put That's the powder true. all over the floor. So that would be the way to go with that. The bigger thing that I'd be concerned about that I've always been concerned about, and you mentioned it too when we were talking about this, is that the chalkboard paint is largely a flat, matte kind of a finish. And what's that going to be like when you're handling the fridge and, you know, just the wear and tear that a refrigerator gets. I do wonder about that. And so maybe an option, as we're talking about, I'm thinking, well, you could just do part of it even. I mean, why not just paint the center of the fridge where you're not really touching it so much? So it's like a framed chalkboard in a way. It's a cool concept. Benjamin Moore makes a chalkboard paint that you can get tinted to any color you want. It doesn't have to be that slate color that Mm -hmm. we all think of. And you can find that at any of our stores. It's just something to think about. The whole painting the refrigerator idea or the freezer or whatever, kind of a fun project, something we don't toy around with all the time. And yet it could make a big difference. Think about it. Who knows? 
Now, that's all the time we've got. We're going to wrap it up. If you want to catch this episode again, as we said at the beginning of this segment, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The Repcolite and Port City Paint Stores are open till 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hanson. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.